Well, we are in our uh, real life, real love, real purpose series, and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, several passages of scripture uh, kind of centered around John 10.10 and John 17. And uh, uh, I'm going to start with Isaiah 28, uh, verse 11 and 12, however. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and verse 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I'm going to read that again. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. He's talking about speaking in other tongues, praying in other tongues. This is the rest, and this is the refreshing. And um, I read that for years. I never really saw it until Dad Hagen pointed it out, so I'm thankful that he pointed it out, and I saw it. And uh, I read it for years, and I just stopped there. This is the rest, and this is the refreshing. And then over the last two years, really, uh, the last part has really stood out to me, yet they would not hear. And it's interesting that in the Word of God, we find in the Word the answer for every situation, the answer for every problem, the antidote for every sickness, the antidote for every uh, bit of poverty, every bit of uh, dominion the devil would try to take over you. In other words, he tries to bind us, to put chains on us, and to hold us back, and to keep us um, limited so that we don't reach our full potential in Christ. And one of the best ways to do that is if you just don't let believers know who they are or what they have in Christ. In other words, if I could convince you that you have nothing, that uh, you've reached the pinnacle of your life, you've reached the cap, and you shouldn't hope for anything else, you shouldn't think for anything else, uh, you'll be like those fleas when they train fleas for a flea circus, you know, they put them in a box. And they get to jumping and jumping and jumping till they realize, oh, I keep hitting the lid. I can't go any higher. I can't go any higher. I'm stuck. Well, then what can you do? Well, you take the whole uh, box off, the contraption off, and the fleas stay in the same area. Because they're like, oh, this is all I can do. This is all I can do. But really, they could go wild, right? You train actually a lot of... Uh, not just insects, but you can train animals that way, and they'll realize, okay, this is my limitation. If you have a dog and you have one of those uh, underground wires that shock them, really you only have to use that underground wire for uh, you know, not a really long period of time until that dog realizes, every time I cross that line, this is going to happen. And so if the devil can convince you every time you cross that line, something bad's going to happen, what happens? Well, we're not dumb. We don't approach that line. We're like, let's go the other way because uh, that's the way of least resistance. It's not going to cause problems until you grab hold of a spirit of faith. This guy was, uh, uh, if you know, Pastor Mark Hankins, a good friend of ours, mentor to us. And um, he was preaching in Texas, I think it was. And this guy came up to him after, after he ministered one time. And he said, man, he said, that is some good preaching. He said, that makes me want to grab a cornstalk swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Well, what does that mean? Like, you're going to take a cornstalk, which is flimsy to begin with, grab hold of it, swing out over flames of fire, and spit in the devil's eye. 
and say, like, why don't you try to do something? <laughs> why is that? Because as soon as you get a hold of, spirit, of the spirit of faith, and the Bible actually says we have the same spirit of faith. What does that mean? That means we have the exact same spirit of faith that David had when he killed a lion and he killed a bear and when he killed the uncircumcised Philistine. We actually have the same spirit of faith. But if the devil can convince you, well, that was David, that was Jesus, that was Paul, that was Brother Hagin, but that's not you. Well, then he can limit you even though you actually have the same... Listen, I'm here to tell you something. There is only one Holy Spirit. Right? And so, uh, you know... Uh, we had the privilege of traveling with Dad Hagen. And when he was, went to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was already born again. And then he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And when he did, afterwards, people in his uh, church and his uh, family there said like, uh, oh, that, that can't be God. And he said, whoa. He said, this is the same spirit that I was born again with is the same spirit that baptized me in the Holy Ghost. Because you may not be filled with the Spirit, Evidence of speaking in other tongues. But if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. It just means you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit or experienced him in his fullness. So you know the same spirit. And the same thing happened to me. Funny enough, I was in a, at that point I was in a Southern Baptist church. And um, I went away uh, to go to a, I, I like to tell it this way because it gives people, they're like, what? I went to a Bill Gaither concert, Jubilate. They would have this thing like uh, New Year's Eve every time. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost, but not at the concert. <laughs> I was at a, at a condo with some friends. And um, it was the same spirit. In fact, I didn't know what to do. My best friend at the time, uh, it was his mother that prayed for us. And you know, him and his wife, she said, would you like to be filled with the spirit? And they said, well, yes. And so she prayed for each of them. Well, I know like my time is coming and I'm nervous because like I got these thoughts coming, like, is this of God? Is it not? You know, and I had some scriptures, but not a lot because they didn't teach a lot in that denomination about that. And, um, so it came to me, and when it came to me, she said, would you, like to be, uh, would you like me to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, all I, and then I, then I heard myself kind of say this. I said, all I know is I feel like I'm in church, and I need to go to the altar. Because I knew the move of the Spirit in the denominational churches I was a part of, drawing people unto Christ to receive salvation. And as soon as I heard those words come out of my mouth, I said, oh, yes, because it was the same spirit. Okay, so if God anointed of Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he anoints the believer with the same spirit, well, then we would have the same spirit, the same tools, the same equipment, the same power. Like, this is why the devil, if he would have ever seen this, would have never crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory, because instead of having one God-man to deal with, now he has a whole new breed, a whole new race of God-men and women that have the same anointing and the same power and the same access to God, the same rapport. Do you understand? Jesus was the source of power, and Jesus was a source of life because he was with the Father, and he could go into the Father at any time. Well, as soon as you accept Jesus Christ and you are recreated on the inside like unto God, you become one spirit, the Bible tells us, with God himself, 
then you actually get the same rapport with God that Jesus has with God. In other words, the same access and ability that Jesus has to walk in, not cowering down, but with his head, uh, his shoulder, God himself, head held high into the presence of God, just to talk with God himself, you have that privilege when you're a born-again believer. You can walk right in. But the only way you can walk right in is by Jesus Christ, by his blood. We draw near, Hebrews says, by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean that uh, you know, we should get our hands dripping red with a red liquid? No. What is the blood? The blood is his life poured out. The blood is his sacrifice. In other words, the only way to meet with God is to go through the cross. What is through the cross? Well, to go to the cross, you have to give up all of yourself. You have to turn away from everything that is man-made, self-made, world-made. Okay, I'm going to switch directions because it's easier for me to do this way. So you turn away from everything the world has to offer and everything that you have to offer, your self-will. We talked about this in another series. But as an act of your will, you freely release self-accomplishment and self-will and you grab hold of what Jesus Christ has done and who he is. That's called faith. Because faith is always trusting and obeying and fearing God himself. You're following after that. But in order to grab hold of the things of faith, you actually have to release the things that you can produce and that you can do. Do you understand? Like I talked in the offering a little bit about worry. And if you're worrying, you're holding tightly to the things that you can accomplish and the things that you can do and the things you can figure out. In other words, this is how I got it figured out, and this is not good. (laughs) Because I figured it out, and it doesn't look good. Well, Philippians 4 says that we are to take those and Throw them over on the Lord Jesus. Why? Because God cares for us. We take those cares, those worries, those anxieties, those um, man's way of figuring it out, and we just freely release it and freely um, give it over to him because he cares for us. Uh, Amplified says, about you watchfully and for you affectionately. That means like you think like, Uh, well, you don't think it in your spirit, but when the thought comes to your mind, the thought is, how could God be worried about this because he's such a big God or he would have already done something about this and that's one of the biggest lies of the devil. If God cared, he would have done something about it. He did do something about it. He gave you dominion. In other words, he put you in charge of what you allow in your life. In other words, I have given you authority. Why hasn't this changed? Why hasn't this moved? I mean, we first moved out here. We had some challenges, and I, I was saying the same thing. I said that to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I'm thinking like, listen, listen, to, listen to my thinking. I'm thinking, well, Lord, we left everything, and we moved across the country to a place that, uh, you know, is not as inexpensive as where we lived before. Uh, can't you see, like, the problem here? We're doing this for you. Well, you understand in my thinking, and then... Uh, even at some points in my prayer, I was really coming based on my accomplishments. In other words, I obeyed you, and I'm willing, so, you know, I deserve you to take care of this. You know, the devil's attacking a lot of different things. Well, once I realized I was doing that, I was in shock. I'm like, what? 
And so then once I realized it, I said, well, no, I take authority over this. This will not happen in the name of Jesus. And guess what happened? Things changed. Because I'm so cool? No, because I stood in the place of Jesus Christ that I'm rightfully supposed to stand in. Because until you say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. You know, I was trying to do it myself before. But as soon as I got rid of self and said, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to stand in the place of Christ. Well, then I had access. Then I had authority. There I have authority. So sometimes we um, really kind of put the two things together and we mesh and we say like, well, I'm saying this, but why isn't it happening? Well, maybe you're saying it uh, after your own mind. Maybe you're not actually speaking from your heart. Right? Because where you access the things of God is in the spirit realm, and the only way you access the spirit realm is with your spirit. In other words, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, it says in uh, Acts, I believe, at the beginning of Acts, it says, he went about 40 days teaching them the things concerning the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God has come near you when he would, people would be healed. He'd say, the kingdom of God has come near you. What does that mean? Well, the disciples thought, great, we're going to be in charge now. Jesus, should we just like set up your kingdom right here on the earth? And they're like, no, 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 no. He, I mean, excuse me. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand uh, what I'm saying. You're thinking earthly. You're thinking earthly kingdom like, like the president and the vice president and the members of Congress and, and all of that. You know, of course, not in that day, but, you know, uh, the rulers there in Israel and in Rome. And he said, no, 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 my kingdom is not of this world. But I would say, don't be mistaken, his kingdom affects this world. The unseen world actually affects the seen on the negative and on the positive. You are not wrestling against a person. You're wrestling against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Yeah, wicked spirits in the heavenly places, but we've been seated with Christ far above all the power of the enemy. You know, don't ever read like Ephesians chapter 6 without reading Ephesians chapter 1, which tells you like you're like seated above all this. If you do, you'd be like, my Lord, you got principalities and power, you got all these, you know, uh, but the whole context is we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Chapter 2, we've been made to sit with Christ in heavenly places far above, far above. You're looking down. And so I, I, I love to fly. I've always loved to fly. And uh, whenever I fly, uh, I don't know, it always gives me a good spiritual perspective because you look down and you may fly like out of DCA or IAD. And so when I fly out of DCA, I look down and I'm like, DC looks so small and insignificant, and what's happening. But I know somebody's in a traffic jam, <laughs> which is not a big deal, but I know people are going through life. But to me, it's insignificant because I'm far above. You know, unless it's someone I know, I could care less if there's a traffic jam. In fact, I might kind of smile like I'm not in that traffic jam. When you see the world from the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, man, it takes its rightful place. The only way you can really see that is to get in the presence of God. So um, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Well, 
really, once you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you have uh, the ability to, to pray in other tongues, you have access beyond your natural mind. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when I pray in an unknown tongue, I pray to God and not to man. So immediately right there, you know, if I pray in other tongues, I am connecting with God himself. I have no doubt that I'm praying this to be heard of people or so people will be like, wow, that's amazing, or even for myself. I'm doing it to the Lord, from the Lord, directly to him. And I'm speaking divine secrets and mysteries. Yeah, Jude actually says, Jude 20, building up yourself uh, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you have a faith and as soon as you start praying in the Holy Ghost, it's almost like your capacity of faith is expanded, and now you can reach places you couldn't reach before. I know when I uh, uh, got this message and, you know, kind of the more refined focus of the vision of the church, um, man, I was praying a lot in other tongues, and still am, and, and uh, it was like the Lord started to speak to me about these things that I had never even thought and all of a sudden, there was faith present for things that I didn't know existed. And I started to like uh, be in awe of this. And I, I was like, there's no place I'd rather be. Like, like uh, in the presence of God, things take their rightful place. In the presence of God, all the things that, man, you would maybe flip out about and get distressed about and be concerned about, the value of those things just drops so much in priority that it's like you just got on an airplane and you're looking down and you're like, look at that. There's a traffic jam. Now understand how I say this because the word of God and redemption itself that Jesus bought and paid for with his own precious blood, redemption itself removed the curse and the stain of sin from every human being. Does that mean everybody's born again? No. You must be born again, Jesus said. You have to be born again. But the price has already been paid. But, and we believe in uh, the blessing of the Lord, the financial blessing of the Lord, and uh, that that's part of our redemption. We believe that physical healing and divine health is part of our redemption. But I am here to tell you as soon as you get near to the source of all life and all health and all prosperity, those things, because they're really not going to be existent in the, in the new world, uh, they're not going to have that allure like they have now, those things start to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. However, as you draw nearer to the Lord, you're going to partake of those things more and more and more. But their, their uh, um, power to draw you loses strength. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're, we're, we all have flesh to deal with, so uh, your flesh always wants more, and, you know, this and that and everything else, and those are all there. But as soon as you get to know your creator intimately, man, that stuff, it takes its rightful place. What is it? Finances? Money is just a tool. If you don't have any of it, you need it to be effective in this world, right? They say the gospel is free, but it's the transmission and communication that costs the money. And so um, you understand what I'm saying? 
right? Because uh, we're increasing. And I believe wherever you're at now, next year you're not going to be where you're at. You're going to be further financially. I believe, you know, uh, to walk in divine health. And if you have sickness that, or uh, any type of uh, ailment in your flesh that you don't, that does not belong to you, that is not your inheritance that that actually has been already bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and the stripes that were laid upon him. But what I'm saying is, if you can just get to Jesus, if you can get into the presence of God, all that stuff will take care of itself and you won't be as concerned and focused on that. And when you're focused on him, that's where true faith is at and that's where you receive from God. Some of the most uh, outstanding uh, moments in prayer that I have ever had came when I had pressing issues that I needed to really make a request to the Lord for, but I felt something on the inside saying, just worship me. Just take a moment and draw near to me and put that aside. And so I said, okay, Lord. So I put it aside and I, and I just draw near to the Lord. Do you know what? And to minister to him. You know, Acts chapter 13 says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The, in other words, as they ministered to the Lord and gave up what their natural bodies were searching for, the Holy Ghost spoke. The Holy Ghost said. Do you know the same thing happened to me? I gave up my natural body and mind was like, you know, you need to ask this. This is important. Like the Lord is, it has to be the Lord to do this. But on the inside, the spirit, same spirit, I just had this leading like, no, 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 no. Not right now. I said, okay, Lord, I'm not even going to ask you about it. I'm not even going to think like, okay, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to ask about it. No, I'll put it to the side. Right now, this, this time with you is just to honor you. Do you know what? As soon as I got close to him, I'm like enjoying just pouring myself out to him. He answers before I even asked because that's just how he is. So when you get near to God and you get into the presence of God, uh, Creflo Dollar, uh, I read a message of his like, man, I lived in Augusta, Georgia, so I used to go over to his church uh, um, as much as I could. And uh, he has this book called Answers Awaiting in the Presence of God. Great book. And so I, uh, that's so true. You get in the presence of God and there's answers to questions you didn't even know you should ask. <laughs> You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize I should ask that. <laughs> And so with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. And as soon as you get full of the Holy Spirit, you can get beyond yourself. Like you think that you are beyond yourself when you're looking to the things of God, but sometimes we're not as we think we are. Some things are not as they appear. So, uh, you know, Ephesians 6.18 says, be being filled with the Spirit. Excuse me, I did the same thing last week. I reversed it. Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the Spirit. Uh, what does that mean? Well, that's like you're in a constant state of looking to him and being filled up and filled up and filled up so that you're beside yourself, so to speak. You're so full of the Spirit of God that you're uh, able to be used of him. <laughs> you're so full of the Spirit of God that you're able to hear him. You're so full of the Spirit of God that you're more aware of him and what he's saying and what he's doing than everything else that's around. For me, it's interesting. I was talking to um, Pastor uh, Lynn Hammond uh, over the last couple of years, and um, she said, uh, she asked me, I, she didn't ask me something. We were talking, and I started to describe something to her and, uh, about getting over in the Spirit and praying. And I said, I don't know. I said, I said you know, I just kind of like feel like I'm on this slippery slope, and I just start slipping right in. And she said, really? 
She said, I like to know that. I like to know how people describe that because if you notice, everybody describes it a little differently. Well, that's how it is for me. I'm like there and I'm like, I can feel like, okay, I'm slipping in, I'm slipping in. And all of a sudden, I become more aware of the supernatural and the spiritual than I am the natural. And I'm actually learning that sometimes what we think or what I think, I won't put it off on you, what I think is the proper time or the improper time, I've got kind of like backwards. Because I'll be like, this is not the time. Like, uh, what are we doing? But uh, really, pretty much every time is a good time. Now, I'm not talking about putting stuff in people's face and being demonstrative, uh, obnoxious rather. Uh, but I'm saying yield to the Holy Spirit. And what I am saying is that if you're born again, and especially if you're born again and filled with the Spirit of God, you have an unction from the Holy One on the inside of you, and you are ignoring it way too much. Because there is a pull and a call and a sound from heaven that is actually calling you in and drawing you in. But what you do is you actually bypass it because you have so many natural thoughts and so many natural things that you have to do. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. That sounds like this is the rest and this is the refreshing, yet they wouldn't hear. In other words, well, yeah, yeah, I've done that. I've heard that. You know, um, I came out of one, some of these uh, times of prayer, and I said to my wife, I said, all I could say was, I said, it's so real. It's so real. Everything is real. Everything about the Holy Spirit, everything about tongues, it is so real. And why is that? Because as soon as you encounter the Spirit of the living God, He is the one, John 14, He said, I will take the things of Christ and make them real to you. And so as soon as you encounter the Holy Spirit, you encounter true reality and what we're calling real life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief doesn't come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, Greek word zoe, and that they might have it more abundantly. And then in John 17, when he's praying to the Father, he said, and you have given him, Jesus, praying to the Father, uh, said, and Father, you have given him power over all flesh, that is speaking of himself, uh, that he should give eternal life, or aeonius zoe, uh, to as many as you have given him. And this is aeonius zoe, eternal life. Eternal life is the very life and nature of God, or the same type of life and the same quality of life as God himself has. Eternity is not a length of time. Eternity is outside the realm of time. It's in eternity. And really, if you looked at the word aeonius, you'd find that for the word for eternity, actually, it can only be attributed to God himself. It springs forth and comes from God. And so when you have Aeonius Zoe, which is what Jesus said, the whole reason he came is that we'd have this kind of life, you're partaken of God himself. You enter into the realm of God himself, and you start to um, be near to God himself. Anyhow, he said, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, Jesus praying to the Father, so that we may know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
So if you look in, especially the Gospel of John, but you look all over the New Testament, I think it's 140 times, uh, something like that, 130, 140 times, you'll find the Greek word zoe, referring to life, and um, life of God. And he said, this is life, to know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Well, how are you going to know him? Well, first of all, you have to be born again. You have to be recreated in his likeness and in his image. In other words, the new creation man is the only man that can go direct into the presence of God. You can't, if you're not born again, if you're not recreated, you can't go up into the presence of God. You can want to go all you want, but you can't get there because you have to be recreated in his likeness and in his image. And then... Um, 1 John 5.20 says the same thing in Moffat's translation. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us insight to know him who is the real God. And we are in him who is real, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the real God. This is life eternal. Then in uh, John chapter 5 Verse 39 and 40 in Philip's translation, you pour over the scriptures for you imagine that you will find eternal life in them and all the time they give their testimony to me. But you are not willing to come to me to have real life. So what happened to me in this, in this whole time was like, I mean, I'm like just beside myself, probably literally. And so... I'm like, this is like, I still don't have an English word for it. This is like full life. This is like abundant life. This is real life. This is life in its essence. And I thought, man, like everyone has to know this. Everyone has to experience this. Everyone has to live in this. It's one thing, have you ever had like some experiences with the Lord? And you're like, look back at the experience. You're like, that was a great experience. But you don't want to just have like one experience. You want to have experience after experience after experience after experience. And in fact, when we did a study on faith, I found something that uh, my head now realizes, but I didn't understand uh, before, that when you look at what faith actually is, it is not a one-time, I'm trusting God with my life, although it includes that. It is, an, it is a forever laying hold of God and a forever laying hold of what he has done. Actually, I think it is in the Amplified Translation of Philippians chapter 4 that the Word of God says, casting all of your cares once and for all on him. And I see that translation, and then I, I, I realize, like, okay, I cast all my cares on the Lord. And then you know what happens? Come creeping up, this little care. And I'm like, no. Faith is, even Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not the faith you had last year. Not the faith you utilized last year. Do you understand? Like we're laying hold, uh, according to Mark eleven twenty three, on the very faith of God and God's faithfulness. But it's not like you lay hold on that and then you have arrived. My life is gone. It is hid with God in Christ. So anytime I start to like, 
However, I'm living in this body, and I have a mind, so anytime I start to rise back up, what do I do? I look back to Jesus. Remember, we used the example last week. I think it's such a great example, and Jesus really gave it to us. Peter's in the boat, and Jesus comes, and the, <clears throat> the wind and the waves and the sea are like going crazy, and um, Peter said, bid me come on the water. In other words, speak the word only, right? Remember, speak the word only, my servant will be healed. In other words, I need something solid to step out on. The only solid thing you have to step out on is the word of God. So Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. But when he saw, when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to see and uh, comprehend mentally what's going on in the circumstances, he began to sink. Right? I like I like that he didn't sink, but that he began to sink. So next time you go swimming, I want you to do a test for me, get on the water, and just begin to sink. <laughs> Have you ever felt like I'm beginning to sink? Right? You got your eyes on the Lord, and all of a sudden, you, you kind of like taking your eyes off, and you're, you're starting to sink. You can feel like you're sinking. Like spiritually, you know, like, well, I'm kind of, uh, and you ever done that? And then you're kind of like, you know, I really need to uh, pray right now, or I need to get in the word right now. And the times you do it, you're, you're very grateful that you did. And the times that you didn't, you're like, oh, that was a bad choice. <laughs> because you began to sink. And so Peter, as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. What does that mean? Well, that means that Peter couldn't just, and if he couldn't, neither could you. Get out of the boat on the word of Christ and look away from the word and get distracted by other things. You know, I said this in the, in, in the morning thing, but I think I should repeat it, is that if you, if you look, maybe where should we look? If you look at this little stand right here, oop, don't let me feedback. If you look at that little stand, everybody look at that stand. Now, like you see me raising my arm in your peripheral vision. So you know something's going on, but you probably don't know how many fingers I'm raising. Okay, now look at me. So I'm hang, hanging. I'm holding three fingers up. And so if you're looking like at the Word or at Christ, it doesn't mean you're not aware other stuff is going on. It doesn't mean there's not stuff happening in the world. There is stuff happening in the world. You don't have to deny the stuff in the world. You just go to the source of all things, the source of all life, which is in the realm of the Spirit. And in the realm of the Spirit, that will annihilate sickness in the natural. That will destroy poverty in the natural. If you just receive from God, all of a sudden the natural does not have a choice but to change. Conversely, if you yield to a, a spirit, an evil spirit in the supernatural, you know what? That thing's going to start showing up naturally. Well, how do you? Somebody said, well, I would never yield to an evil spirit. Well, you know what? Sometimes you get so upset and you're like, I can't believe this and nothing ever works. And it's uh, da, 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 da. you know what? You're not speaking like Peter said, oh, Lord, no, never. I would never let that happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan to the spirit that was influencing Peter. Do you understand? How you think Peter felt? <laughs> Ooh. Shouldn't let that one out. <laughs> Praise the Lord.
I have to get to one more thing here. But I want to give you John 5.26. Let's close with John 5.26. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And then John 10.10, and I have come that you might have life in yourself. As the Father has life in himself, Zoe, the life and the nature of himself, the life and the nature of God, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And then Jesus said in John 10.10, and I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so uh, the plan of the Father from the beginning, uh, you know, and he, you know, Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So God was not undone when man fell. He knew what was going to happen, and he had made provision before he even made man. And so um, his plan was always that we would be so close to him that we would actually partake of the very substance that makes him live. Zoe, his life. Not only that, his nature. Faith works by love. The greatest of these is love. So Jesus came that we might have the life of God, the power of God. The life of God will drive out every sickness and every disease. The life of God gives you dominion over all the works of the enemy. In other words, how are you living this? I'm living by faith in the Son of God, and that life is dominating me. I'm allowing that life to have its dominion and live itself out in and through me. And the only way you can do that is turn away from your own natural source of life and turn to the supernatural source of life and understand when you lay hands on someone that has a sickness or a disease that it's not about you, but it's about the zoe that is in you. And that sickness and that disease does not have a choice. It has to go. It has to bow to the name of Jesus and it has to bow to the life of God. When the life of God comes in contact with sickness and disease, sickness and disease has to go. In fact, I was studying this week and I was studying the Greek word life. And when I was studying the Greek word life, it actually said that when you have this new life, by very definition, sickness does not exist in this new life. It's not a part of this life. And so we have the opportunity to actually not only live in this life, but we are carriers of this life. Just like the father had life in himself, so he gave to the son to have life in himself. And the son came that we might have life in ourselves so that everyone could have life in themselves. Do you understand? Is that a lot of yourself, himself? But the life that he has given us is for us to carry and distribute. When eternity touches the realm of time, when incorruption touches corruption, corruption and time have to give. Do you understand? Aeonius, Zoe, eternal life, the life of the eternal, 
as soon as that life comes in contact with something of the temporary world or the time-ruled world, the t- the, Aeonius will not give. Zoe will not give. In other words, it's not going to be pushed back, but the realm of time will change. Uh, Aeonius Zoe is not subject to change, but time and the natural world are subject to change. In fact, the things that are seen were made by things that are not seen, the Bible tells us. How do you access this? By faith. What does that mean? How do you have faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As soon as you know that it's there from the word, you have a solid ground to step out of the boat on. As soon as you have that solid ground, he will back you up. He watches his word to perform it. He confirms his word with signs following. So as soon as you say, you know what? He, Jesus came that I might have life, and you have the same assignment as Jesus himself had, except for you don't have to... Uh, pay for all of man's redemption, but you have to go to the cross just like he had to go to the cross. Not a physical cross, but you have to give up your own life just like he did, and then you have the same mission he had that you bring life everywhere you come. Not natural, but the God kind of life. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing our soul and spirit that we know the very thoughts and intents of our own heart. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that's here and everyone that's under the sound of my voice, Father, that we enter into and rise to the full potential of the life that you have called us to live. And Father, the office that you have called us to stand in. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit, that he is our helper and our strengthener, and that as we even pray in the Spirit, that you show us things to come, that you reveal the intimate, deep things of yourself to us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know him in an instant of time. Don't wait another second. Don't wait another minute. Jesus Christ, he died. If you were the only one, he died just for you. If you were the only one that would ever accept, he would still have given his life because God loves you with an unending love. If that's you this morning, lift up your hands. I'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You can be and you will be if you're not and you would like to be. Just slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your tender care for us, your watchfulness over us, over every part of our life. I pray for each and every person that's here and each and every one that's listening. Father, that we would not just hear your word, but we would put it into practice. Father, I thank you for your spirit, that you said that he would teach us all things and declare your things to us. So, Father, we purpose in our hearts. We look to him who is on the inside 
to lead us and to guide us and to show us the way. We look to him who gives us life and wisdom and understanding. We look to him who knows the future before we even enter into it in the time, the realm of time. We look to him who opens up and reveals the special things that you have to us and to others. We look to him, Father, and we'll, we give you place by giving him place. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. He is everything to us that you said he would be. Our leader, our guide, our advocate, our strengthener, our helper, our standby, our intercessor. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. So not looking to yourself, but looking over into the realm of the spirit, into the realm of reality. Uh, the, the things of the earth seem to grow strangely dim and to fade away. And you see and you know as you've not seen and as you've not known. And you enter over into the realm of glory, over into the realm of God. You enter into a new place and a new day. It's as if a new day has dawned and you shout and you rejoice and you say, Oh, I'm so happy that I've walked the king's highway and that I've not gone my own way, but I chose to take a moment and turn aside unto him and to look to him that is within. And I looked and I saw and I was amazed. And from that place I came and I went. I went to the world and I went to those that I see and that I know. And I spoke not as a man speaks, but I spoke as it were the very words of God. And those words brought life and things began to flourish and scenery began to change and chains fell off and blinders were removed, and the true light of the gospel began to shine. And so I lift up my eyes, and I turn unto him, and he gives me strength, and he gives me words, and he gives me the plan. And I don't walk after my own plans or my own ways, but I walk after his plan in these days and these times. And I'm not undone by the things of the world and the news that would come, but I stand bold and I stand firm in the presence of my Father and upon his word. And as I yield unto him and yield unto his word, I see it come to pass even before my very eyes. And I see limbs healed, and I see eyes open, and I see ears begin to hear, and I see demons be driven back, and I see demons that have no choice but to flee. To flee from the very words that he has given unto me, to flee from the very words of God himself. For in the name of Jesus, there is no choice but for a demon to flee and for a demon to go. And so I yield unto him and I give him his Holy Ghost flow. And now I'm changed, changed into another person, changed from glory to glory. As it were in the presence of God, no longer living as a mere man, but now elevated to the life of God, elevated to the realm of God, and elevated beyond my own self. Oh, <laughs> elevated, elevated to the place where he has planned for me from the foundation of the world and the foundation of the earth, elevated to the realm of God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and let's praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We magnify you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning. You are our hope and our strength in our life. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.